everybody. This is Stephanie Ruper. Thank you so much for tuning into the Naked Humanity podcast, where we take a deep dive into what it means to be human in the modern world. Today is episode number 56X, and I am responding to a listener question where he asks me, if I were emperor of the world, what changes would I implement? This is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. I'm excited. I actually received this question quite a while ago, but I didn't bump it up in the queue because I had no idea how to approach it. You know, and especially because last week in episode 55X, I talked about how I don't have a lot of firm viewpoints in terms of uh, what necessarily should be done for these really complex problems, right? And I'm very open to changing my mind. So if I were emperor, what would I do? Uh, of course, my response here is going to be a working hypothesis, right? It's going to be uh, definitely open to change, but I thought I would stretch myself in trying to think about this. I know many of my friends have thought about this and have very strong opinions about this. I stretched myself to think about this and am going to continue using it. Um, while I'm going through this podcast and meeting all these fantastic people and growing in, in my own views, and my own personal uh, personal experiences. So uh, I'm going to jump into the question and then I'll jump into my response. Uh, hi, Stephanie, new listener here. I am having trouble understanding where your theory of salvation differs from the terror management theory of Sheldon Solomon and others. In any case, keep up the good work. Uh, he continues, the other work that I read years ago that seemed to parallel your thinking is, quote, True Believers by Eric Hoffer. It seems your thoughts are valid as observed by Mr. Hoffer, Ernest Becker, and quantified by Solomon's and other terror management theorists. Given that these may be symptoms of the suppression of terror, and they can be very destructive, what are your thoughts on solutions? Put another way, what can we do as a species to prevent violence or suffering caused by polarized thinking and behavior? What would help mitigate the root cause? If you were emperor, what measures would you implement to change or correct our path? please send me your dissertation. I would be happy to read it. Morris. Uh, thank you, Morris, for writing in. Uh, so the opening part of this question is actually about my academic work on the concept of salvation. And I do want to talk about it. Maybe I'll do another X episode about it. Um, I'll drop an answer very quickly. Um, my work differs from Sheldon Solomon, who I had on uh, an episode, I believe, number 24 of this podcast. Um, in in a few important senses. Now, Sheldon uh, works as a terror management theorist. Terror management theorists uh, suggest that much of human life is shaded by, is influenced by uh, the thought of death. Sheldon has been one of a few uh, people and has really spearheaded this movement and has demonstrated with robust empirical studies in, you know, psychological laboratories and the like um, all around the world, that uh, humans are, we are ineluctably affected by death. You know, when we nick ourselves shaving and start to bleed, uh, we realize we're animals. When we um, see roadkill, when we uh, can counter statistics in the news, like all these different things constantly throughout our lives, we are encountering, encountering the idea that we will someday die. And we do have all these mechanisms in place that help us cope with it. Some of these mechanisms 
uh, are not all that harmful, and some of them have really drastic effects. One thing these theorists have noticed is that when we are confronted with the idea of death, we become more loyal to our groups and to our ideas, right? And this is why Morris brings up polarized thoughts and behavior. Now, I don't think death is the only source of polarized thoughts and behavior, but maybe, you know, it's it's very hard. <clears throat> is all of the human condition conditioned by death? I don't, I'll do a podcast on it. That's a very live uh, and important question and very interesting to think about. Uh, but uh, to return to the coping strategies, humans are very polarized. I talk about this all the time, right? It's so easy for us to like people who are like us and to hate people who are not like us, you know? And we see nuance in the views of our own groups, but we see real simplicity in the views of other groups, right? There are so many ways that this manifests and causes huge problems for our world, right? We like people who live in our nations. We're nationalists and we don't like immigrants, right? You don't want to share. You're afraid of other people. They're different. You don't like them. They're going to harm your way of life. They're going to do all this sort of stuff. Such a natural, natural human reaction. And there are other ways of doing this that are um, less politically obvious right now, but they're, they're everywhere. So Morris asks, like, how do we put a stop to this? You know, how do we help make people uh, more open? And how do we, like, solve the problem of conflict, basically, suffering and violence? How do we um, solve these problems? I came up with a list of four things that I think are crucial for solving this problem specifically. But also, like, this is a huge set of problems that is related to pretty much all of the problems we have. So uh, this is the list of things that I would do as a quote-unquote emperor uh, in order to help remediate uh, our strife. Uh, which comes first? That's always a hard problem. Um, all right. For one thing, I'll just start. For one thing, education. Uh, I think one of the most important things to educate people about is also something that we never educate people about, uh, which is critical thinking in human biases, right? We want people to learn about the world. We need history. Uh, we need science. Uh, particularly, I think history is so important. Understanding the world, why the world is the way it is, understanding how human people are. Um, psychology, very important. Philosophy, very important. I mean, I want people to know a lot of stuff. I think STEM is way less important than people think it is, for the record. Uh, science and math are cool and can help us figure out solutions to problems. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm all about it. But do we need to be putting like everybody in the world in STEM? No, I think people would be much better served. Maybe not necessarily even in the humanities, um, perhaps, uh, but in uh, classrooms where we're actively talking about uh, being self-critical, actively talking about how easy it is to be biased, actively talking about uh, what it's like to be in another person's shoes, which is something that humanities, I think, is is not terrible at, um, about the quest for truth, right? We want to talk about what we think is true, but we also want to talk about like the quest for truth. Um, I think that is a very important way to educate people because then when you go out into the world, when you talk with people, you're willing to listen, you're willing to be self-critical, you're willing to look at your biases, um, and you're willing to work with one another. And you can identify when you're doing things like group thinking, right? If you learn about studies in which, say, there's a big dot on the screen and it's blue and like 
everybody in the room is insisting it's red and to you it looks blue. And then you're like, okay, maybe it's red. Like that's a thing that happens in studies all the time. Uh, but when you learn about that happening, then maybe you will develop a self-awareness that helps you overcome those kinds of groupthink uh, pressures in, in the real world. So one is educate specifically in that way. Uh, two, <clears throat> make people feel as safe in as many ways as possible. Uh, now, by this, I don't mean taking away challenges, but my model for the world uh, that Morris has prompted me to come up with uh, approximates models of psychological development that like, look at human beings, human individuals, right? We understand now, like there was so much robust data that demonstrates that hitting your kids is not, that's not productive, right? But like, the, thing that, the thing that is productive is actually being very loving and providing a, a warm center out of which people can explore and then come back and have warmth and go out and explore and come back and have warmth. And uh, the lack of safety, I think is it's the fundamental human problem. Like we all want to be safe. That is the thing that we strive for in so many different ways, psychologically, spiritually, and of course, uh, physically in terms of our well-being in the world. So make people feel safe. How do you do that? Uh, I think a very robust safety net might be an option. You know, maybe consider universal basic income uh, or other forms of really robust uh, cultural safety nets so people uh, don't feel the overwhelming terror and anxiety that can happen when you are unsafe or may end up in an unsafe position. Uh, and of course, um, these kinds of terrors and anxieties can lead you to become uh, stressed and group identified and to dislike outsiders. There are also, of course, many different kinds of uh, safelessness, right? such as war and intercontinental conflict. And well, we would, that's a can of worms for another time. And I'm way less, I'm, well, I'm not qualified to do what I'm doing right now, but I'm way less qualified to, to do that. So um, one, educate, two, make people safe, and, and, and again, there are so many different policies that, that can intersect with that. And of course, justice is, is involved in that, you know, marge, taking care of marginalized groups and the like. Um, number three, while making people as safe as possible, also make, uh, also keep things as free as possible in terms of creativity, in terms of speech, in terms of exploration. Again, I'm talking about this model of psychological development where you provide people with a warm base and so long as they're not hurting others, don't constrain uh, ways in which they can explore. Uh, and I think that that is a very healthy way to keep people healthy and in good communication with one another, especially if they've been educated about how to do it. Um, uh, fourth and finally uh, would be to create systems of meaning that can help people cope with death and other uh, what I call embodied limitations to life. So like death is something that we all need to cope with. We also need to cope with chaos and loss and meaninglessness and all of these different threats that I consider um, as also uh, intrinsic to humanity and not just death, which is uh, one way, uh, P.S. Morris, one way in which my view is, is different from that of terror management theorists. It's not just about death, but about... Uh, many of the existential, all of the existential concerns that that we have as a species, I think really, really matter. 
Uh, and we happen to live in a world in which our systems of meaning have uh, radically changed and collapsed and pluralized. And so I would help people create ways to make sense of the world to become spiritually comfortable. Uh, one thing I would do as a part of that, actually, so <laughs> uh, I'm working on a book on this right now, uh, how I would help, how I am helping people uh, cope with their existential spiritual distress. Uh, one thing that's a part of that, I think, is embracing mystery and uncertainty and being open, right? And sort of finding spiritual value in this openness. I think that that can help us get along with each other better. I don't not be so close-minded and it can help us be open to changes in science and philosophy. And it can also help us uh, see beyond the sort of nihilistic nothingness you know, that permeates our culture when we think about things like death and the meaning of life. You know, it's, it's so easy to think that those things are scary, but uh, we really can, uh, if we embrace uncertainty and mystery uh, in terms of what we know about the world, I think that can be really helpful. Now, there are many, many, many different ways to help people make sense of the world and to feel meaning and purpose. Uh, and I talk about them on this podcast all the time, and I talk about them in, in the book that I'm working on. Uh, and I will continue to talk about them. Uh, but very basically, yes, I, I would create these these systems, systems of meaning. And hopefully I am helping y'all with that in, in one way or another. Please do ask me questions about it because I, I have tools. I have tools from all of my explorations and scholarships. So um, yeah, this has been a kind of fun question. Obviously there are things that I'm missing out on, but it's these are short podcasts. And I think I've elevated some... Uh, important things to think about in terms of what we might consider human progress. You know, I didn't even talk about the environment or, you know, all of these different things that need to change in the world. Uh, Morris was asking about polarized behavior. Um, there's a lot, of course, that needs to be uh, done there as well. But I think, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of like these ideas. You know, I, I like thinking about society as needing to be safe and free at the same time. Um, I like thinking about the importance of education and critical thought and reflection. And I, I like, I think systems of meaning are really important. And also maybe uh, I would try to help people uh, provide platforms for people to have more community and less lonesomeness um, and feel at home in one another. That's really important as well. So uh, yeah, that's it. This, uh, <laughs> this has been episode 56X. Uh, please do write into the podcast if you have a question. Uh, I would be so happy to answer it. I love answering these questions. Uh, you can do so um, a number of different ways. Go to stephanierupert.com slash form. That's the most popular way. You can submit anonymously if you like. Uh, and I will uh, queue you. I will put you in the queue unless there's uh, something horribly uh, offensive or wrong or boring or, or whatever about the question. Uh, I have addressed all of the questions that have been asked of me so far um, or have them in the queue. So uh, thank you again so much for tuning in. I am Stephanie Ruper. This is Naked Humanity. Uh, you know where to get at us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I. We'll talk to you next week.